0: What's up guys? Welcome back to the Running in Circles podcast, where I aim to inspire and entertain by having conversations with some of the best runners in the world and in the NCAA. I'm your host, Zach Hamilton, and today I'm joined by Elise Cranny. Elise is a four-time US champion and represented the US in the 2020 Olympics in the 5K. She also became the second woman ever to complete the double win in the 5K and 10K at USA's in 2023. She attended Stanford in college and has been with Bowerman Track Club ever since she turned pro up until a couple months ago when she parted ways with the team and joined Team Boss in Colorado. In this episode, we talk about how the team transition has been for her so far, the difference in coaching styles of the two teams, how she pulled off the 10K-5K double at USA's, and more. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening and share it with a friend or two, which really helps the podcast grow. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Elise Cranny. Uh, You just switched from Bowerman, where you were at for a long time, to Team Boss. So can you kind of touch on how that transition has been so far and how training is going up there?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. I think um, transition is always challenging. I think it's kind of reminded me of when I first like, graduated from college and joined Bowerman of just, like, you know, being in a whole new place, like, meeting new people, Um, so I think it's, like, it's a lot of different emotions in terms of, like, um, you know, like, leaving your friends and the training partners that you've had for four and a half years, Um, but also a lot of excitement for a new chapter, and it's been really fun to, I feel like I know, have known most of the people from team boss like in the running world um over the last like several years like so it's fun to actually be like running and training and getting to know them on a deeper level and it's been fun to be back in Colorado again um where I'm from like be close to family and be running on like some of my favorite trails and stuff like that so um yeah i'd say it's it's been a lot of different emotions it's um yeah excitement Um, you know, still like, yeah, like missing the people that you were training with before, but being excited about, um, a new chapter, which has been fun.
0: When you made the decision that you kind of wanted to leave Bowerman, did you look at any other training groups?
1: Yeah, I, um, not a whole lot. I think I knew that I really wanted to come back to Colorado. That's something that was important to me. So um. I, you know, I talked a lot with my high school and, um, college coach, um, Jason Hartman and then coach mill, and they were both really helpful, um, in terms of, um, just trying to figure out like where maybe I would be happiest. And I think that's like a big part of, um, running well, um, as well. And I felt like, okay, I really want to go and be near my family for a bit. And, um, so I think that was a big kind of deciding factor. And the nice thing about team boss too, is that there's not one sponsor. So I could stay, um, with Nike. I've had a really, you know, good experience with them and loved running for, for them as a company. And so, um, that allowed me to, you know, come to Colorado, be in a new training group. I was really excited about Um, work with Joe, which I'm really excited about and has been great and um, still be with Nike too. So it kind of was the best of, of all those things.
0: How hands-on is Joe as a coach and back in Bowerman, how many days a week kind of were just like on your own to where you're with the team, but you're not like getting hands-on like coaching, I guess. And, yeah, what does that look like at Team Boss compared to Bowerman?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would say um, at Bowerman, I would say, um, you know, we would see Jerry for workouts, and then we would also see him, um, you know, when we would show up Um, before we were in Eugene. Like, we were using a gym for a while after COVID at his house, so that was nice because we would see him a bit and um on the days that we weren't working out um so that was like good time to you know check in and be on the same page and plan you know races and training and um get good time with him and then um last year in Eugene um we also got to see him a good amount because we would do most of our runs from Hayward and do kind of our like weights and core and stuff so we would see him on those day on those like non workout days as well um he would be around. So we would actually see him a decent amount. And then I would say um, we would just travel a bit more since we were based at um sea level with Bowerman. So we wouldn't see him as much when we'd go to altitude. But um the coaches were really good about always like having someone fly in for um a workout. So I would say like very hands on in that way. Um and then I would say now with Joe um it's nice because we are at altitude. So, um, we're not like traveling as much and he's able to be at, you know, the workouts and, um, he's also, um, we see him, you know, like we'll meet up with him for some like drills and strides occasionally. And it's nice. Cause they have, um, a gym like for a team boss that they created. So that's a, a really nice like meeting spot in terms of, um, meeting to connect with Joe or like meeting with teammates or meeting for doubles or um, lifts or things like that. So that's kind of a nice like central meeting point to have as well.
0: How often or how in advance do you get your training, like the workouts um, in each group? And are you someone who likes to know kind of like you like to know the structure and you want to know stuff before it happens? Or are you okay (laughs) with kind of just on the day they're telling you what to do? (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I feel like at Barman, I, um, we wouldn't usually get the workout until like we showed up and had warmed up, um, which at first when I first joined was um, novel to me because um, in college, Coach Milt kind of would give us at least an idea, but I actually really like grew to like that. Um, it was kind of nice to not be thinking about like, you know, what you were doing necessarily, like the night before was like, you showed up and you just knew that you needed to be ready to work hard and whether that was going to be a strength workout or a speed workout. Um, so I ended up, um, yeah, I feel like I ended up over four and a half years coming to really like that. Um, and now it's, um, we get some more like Joe inputs training, um, a little bit more in advanced, probably like I want to say like a week to 10 days is like about how far ahead I can see. Um, so, and I do, I do like that now in terms of like planning out weeks and stuff, I would say it was definitely an adjustment. I feel like I would just forget to like look ahead and see it was coming. And someone was like, Oh, what do you have today? And I was like, I totally forgot. I can, <laughs> I can look and see. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to like switch it up and have, um, have it be different now. And um yeah, so it's it's been an adjustment getting used to that, but I've I've liked um, having that and being able to see a little bit more a couple days ahead.
0: You're recently at Nike Cross Regionals as kind of a Nike rep and just athlete to be there with the kids. So how was that, and how was it kind of being around that atmosphere?
1: Oh my gosh, I love Nike Cross, um, like Regionals, Nationals, any of the Nike Cross stuff. I think um hold a special place in my heart just because I like ran at those meets in high school and I feel like those were really like impactful meets in terms of opening my eyes to um what was like beyond the state meet like I think when I first um got into high school I was like okay like state and then your season is done and I didn't kind of realize these other opportunities existed so when I started being able to go to Nike at an event like Nike Cross Regionals and, um, you know, have like a professional athlete there holding the finish line tape or signing something. I feel like that was just so impactful for me and really inspiring. And so it's been really fun to be on the other side of that now. And I feel like I just get so much energy from like going to the, those type of events. Like, I feel like high schoolers have such good energy. They're like, most of them are, you know, just getting into running or have been doing it for a couple of years. And I feel like it's so fun and they have such high like goals and they're just really excited and passionate about, about it. And I think that, um, that's, I always just like love being around that energy. It's very like invigorating and, uh, just like having that excited energy is really fun. So I always love love doing those type of events. I think especially for me this year going to Nike Cross Regionals. It was um it was it was so fun to be able to do like a shakeout jog on the course, um, with the athletes racing. And then it's also fun because I feel like a lot of people from um that work for Nike are there. So it's fun to also meet, you know, people that work for the brand that are doing different things and working to put on the events. And um so yeah, I I feel like that's a big a big highlight for me of um, being with Nike and baby, being able to be a part of opportunities like that.
0: And your old team ended up doing super well, placing second, and they got the individual win on the girls' side. So how cool was it seeing them still succeed? And I don't know how good they were when you were there. I'm assuming they were pretty good, but um, yeah, how cool is it seeing them succeed?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I mean, Addy won, like, ran an incredible race, and then for both, um, like, the women to get second and the guys to play so well too after they were um, an at-large team at regionals, and they like really showed up. And it's just been really cool to follow the last couple years, just how dominant they've gotten, and again, how like they run so well as a team and they have so much depth. Um, yeah, I feel like people ask me because. Um, when I was there, our team, I don't think, I, I don't know if we ever even went to Nike Cross Regionals as a team. I think they might've gone for the first year, maybe the year after I graduated. So it's really cool to see now that they're like not only going to regionals, but they're making the national meet on both sides and, you know, in the hunt for the win and placing so well. So it's, yeah, it's been really fun to follow.
0: Going into some of your 2023 races, you placed first completing the double at USA's for the 5K, 10K. So can you first kind of take me through your mindset before that race? I'm pretty sure that before it, I've, I heard that you were considering doing the 1500 and then talking with your coach, you ended up not doing that. So can you take me through the thought process of making that decision?
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think, um, it's funny looking back. I think the week before I feel like I was pretty stressed out cause I was still trying to decide which races to do. And Jerry and I were like going back and forth and like trying to decide. And I feel like one day I thought we'd have a decision and then we'd be like, wait, no, maybe not. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit stressful leading up, but I think, um, you know, I really trust his like input. And I think, you know, after like him, like giving me the training and seeing where, where I was at. I think he was like, I feel like, um, we should do the 10 K 5 K double. He was like, I just feel like we're in a really good spot with our strength. And, um, I also think part of me was like, I mean, it was, it was hard cause I was really excited about the 15. Um, but I think I was also excited about the 10, you know, for different reasons too. And so, um, I feel like it was, kind of a back and forth for a while, but I think it, it honestly helped the few days before. I feel like once we made that decision, I felt very like all in. And I think, you know, that's a huge part of, um, Jerry as a coach, I feel like he like helped me made, make a decision that he felt confident about, which made me feel really confident about. And so I think, you know, when he was like, I think this is the best, you know, the best double to do that. Once we made that decision, I think I felt like, okay, wholeheartedly, this is, this is the best choice. And, um, I think that helped me show up really like confident and fired up and ready to go. Cause I was like, okay, we're on the same page. And, um, this is the, this is the route we're, we're picking now. There's no, no turning back.
0: Did you expect to do that? Well, cause I feel like a lot of people kind of we're sleeping on you because I feel like you hadn't raced a ton leading up to it and you had been like kind of quiet. But did you expect to do that well?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I had been having really, really good training and I think um, I was excited leading up to USA's and felt like I was in a good spot. And then I raced the 5K at the Grand Prix in May, which I think was like about a month out and just didn't feel like myself didn't race very well. And so I think that kind of like shook me a little bit. And I think people were like, oh, like I don't know where Elise is at. And so I think um for me that was a really good challenge in terms of like, okay, I need to we went up to altitude after that and like refocus in terms of like focusing on training, but I think more so even just mentally. Um actually Kristalinski was also really helpful um, from a coaching perspective, I feel like in helping me get in the right mindset, he was like, okay, what can you, you know, learn from this race? What can you do different? How can you take that like into training, into your, like changing your mindset as you prepare for USAs? And so I kind of feel like those like three to four weeks, um, leading up to USAs, like, I feel like the mental work was kind of the biggest, like the biggest part of getting ready where I could show up and um, be, like, confident to, you know, try to contend for the win and and to make a team. So, yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, a lot of, like, mental work that went into, like, figuring out, okay, how can I show up on the line, like, confident and trusting in my training and where I'm at, even if I haven't, like, raced a ton or some of the races haven't been a reflection of where I feel like I'm at.
0: In between the two races, what do you do to make sure that you're going to be ready for the next one and recovered well?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest thing is a lot of sleep and a lot of, uh, fueling. Like, I think that's something I've learned over the years, particularly like right after the 10 K race, um, making sure like I had, um, a lot of snacks, like high in protein and carbs that I had right after, um. Uh, our PT, uh, at Bowerman, Colleen Little, she was really great in helping like do a little bit of a flush massage, get the body feeling good, making sure things were moving again. Um, and then some like super easy running the next day after the 10 K to kind of like flush the legs out, get the body feeling good. And yeah, but I would say kind of sleep and, um fueling really well were were the big things I feel like that helped me come back for the five k
0: was it after u s a s or was it before that you ran the mile in monaco uh
1: after yeah that was like maybe like that was like two weeks after it was like pretty quick after u s a s
0: what was the thought process on doing that and then also after that race was it kind of what were the i guess Even you had already won the 5K, 10K, but was it kind of some thoughts in the back of your mind about the 1500 after such a good race there?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, it's funny because I think Jerry and I, after we had decided not to do the 15, I was like, okay, if I'm not doing the 15, then I like I better get to do some fast like miles or 1500s at different parts of the season. So that was kind of the agreement of like, okay, if we can get into the Monaco Mile, like we'll do that and um I feel like I was really excited about that if like it was going to be an opportunity where I could run um after watching Faith and you know all the 1500 runners all season I just feel like that event was just like absolutely popping off I mean it has been for years but I think especially last year I felt like every race that was like a 15 or a mile you would just see like every person setting a PR and you know Faith up there like breaking the world record and I think um that was a part of wanting to do that too i was like wow i want to be a part of a race that i know is just going to be like an epic all-around race all the way through um so yeah that was the kind of the decision to do it and um it was so much fun it was such a memorable race um again just like the depth in the in that mile and faith breaking the world record nikki breaking the american record um yeah it was a really really cool race to be a part of that will like be etched in my memory probably forever. So I'm very glad that I had the opportunity to do it.
0: What do you think is the reason for such a good culture and specifically the women's 1500 right now, I guess, but also just women's running as it's kind of funny. Cause in that Monaco mile, I think that was the one where like you guys were all like hugging faith and you got the pictures and then in the men's 1500, I feel like that's like the most political one in the sport where like, <laughs> like Yakup and Josh Kerr have like the biggest beef. So it's kind of funny the polar opposites, but what do you kind of attribute to such the good culture and the women's running?
1: yeah oh that's such a good question i think man i think it's just at a point in time where i feel like women's running just like is continually being elevated every year and so i think um i don't know i guess speaking for myself personally i think what's really cool about the culture is that it seems like there are tons of records being broken and people that keep kind of um, pushing the limits and kind of raising the bar. And I think, um, that's a really inspiring culture to be a part of. And I kind of feel like that is like the overall vibe of women's running right now is just like seeing someone do something and being, I would say like in general, it seems to me like the, um, response to that is like, being very inspired and being like okay i want to do that too like if this per- like I, th- I kind of think that with the um you know 15 minute barrier in the 5k i feel like just a couple of years ago it's like not that many people have broken 15 and it's like now you just like continually see it being broken and i think um that good culture comes from like seeing people you know do stuff like that and then everyone wanting to be like okay we want to be better we want to do that too and i think p- particularly um in like the 1500 too i guess you know the 5k as well um but i also feel like faith has just been such like an inspiring presence for so many people and just what she's done is incredible and i think you know coming back from having a baby too and just absolutely setting the track on fire um and she's just such a sweet like humble, like very supportive competitor too. And I think, um, that she's really kind of like spearheaded and led the charge in terms of like culture and also like, yeah, redefining what's possible.
0: What did you learn this year from worlds experience wise that you're looking to take into this Olympic year and also just your other world experience? What do you think you're looking to do? I guess maybe differently, uh, this Olympic year.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good question too. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is um again, this kind of not to sound like a broken record, but I think a big piece is um like the mental component and kind of the confidence piece. Like I think um I feel like the last couple years, I feel like I've gained more confidence. Um in my races, but I feel like when I get to like a world championships, I kind of feel like, um, I lose a little bit of that confidence. And in terms of, um, being, I feel like I've raced a bit more reactionary, um, instead of, you know, thinking of like, okay, where, like, should I position myself? That's gonna suit me best for this race. Um, I think that's a big thing that kind of has haunted me for a bit about the most recent world's 5k is I just felt like I felt really good. And I feel like I felt, um, like I let fear prevent me from, um, making a move or like moving up sooner or being in better position. Um, and so I think that's a big thing that I want to work on moving forward is just, um, racing a bit more, like bold and confident and running my own race instead of um, kind of reacting to the moves um, of other people, particularly um, on the global level. Like, I think that's something that I've really been like learning over the last few years of like, okay, how can you race your best race within the race um, instead of kind of just following along and, and seeing what happens. So I think taking more, um, more ownership and more like, risk and action instead of just reacting to moves
0: what do you think is the best way to kind of reflect after a race during the regular season that's really bad and just how do you kind of stay up mentally after it and remind yourself that the champion season isn't really here yet do you have like a reflection process of sorts i guess
1: yeah yeah i usually like to um write down I think it's it's helpful to like kind of get it out of your head like I usually like to write um about the race a little bit particularly like to write down three things that went well one thing I learned and then one thing I would have done differently and I think that's been really helpful um I think especially after a poor race I think it's um really easy to get down on yourself and not pick out the positives that were there. And so I think, you know, writing down three like really concrete things that went well that it's like, okay, I can continue to implement that next time, but coming away with a piece of um, okay, what would I do differently? And what did I learn? I think that's really helpful too, because it's something tangible where it's like, okay, this wasn't, um, I know when I was younger, I feel like if I had a bad race, it was like, oh, that was a waste. But instead I look at it now, as like, okay, this is, they're always a learning and growing experience, but you have to identify what you can take away from it and how you can like learn and grow from that experience. And so I think, you know, kind of writing down and reflecting on that can be really helpful of like, okay, a bad race wasn't some like wasted opportunity. It's an opportunity to like learn and grow and get better from it and um, make changes next time. And I think, I also think along with a bad race too, in terms of, um, reflecting, I think it's helpful to look at, you know, what did you do leading up to that race? Like, you know, what, what did your fueling look like? What was your mindset? Like what else was going on in your life? Like, I think, you know, running, like, doesn't exist in a bubble. So if you have other things going on in your life too, I think it's important to like recognize how all of that plays a role in terms of how you like approach a race, how you feel during a race, how you, um, you know, are mentally during a race. And so I think that's also been really helpful for me as I've, you know, grown as an athlete is also looking at like, okay, what was my lead up and approach to the race, you know, in training, but also like mindset, fueling wise, sleep wise, all of that as well to see, okay, how can you like kind of hone that, change that, um, keep it the same if it's working, tinker with it if, you know, some other things need changing. So yeah, sorry, that was a very long winded answer to your question, but.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, that was good. Yeah. I like the kind of like looking back at the lead up as well, rather than just kind of the race, but outside of running, do you have any hobbies that you enjoy?
1: Yeah, I love um I love country line dancing. That's been my I've always loved to dance, but over the last like year I've gotten really into country line dancing, which is a little bit sad because it's not something I can do a ton of hours on a regular basis when in heavy training, but it's something that that I've really enjoyed and I think for a while I was trying to figure out, okay, why do I like this so much? And I think um it's because I feel like dancing is similar to running in terms of like you have to be really, really present, like focused on what you're doing, because if you lose focus, you totally lose where you are. And it's also fun because it's something that's really different from running. So I kind of like to be like working sometimes on other things or just like thinking of things that are outside of running. I think that helps. And I'm trying to um, my sister's my younger sister, Emily's teaching me how to play the guitar so i'm also trying to work on that but that's very very slow progress but that's a new a new hobby outside of running that i'm (laughs) i'm trying
0: where do you where do you go to line dance
1: yeah last year there was actually there's a couple really good places in eugene um that i would go to they're just like um i think they're just like there's one they had like in once a week at an Elks Lodge and then another at this like, uh, bar and they'd have a country night and they would do like an hour of lessons and then they would open up the dance floor. And then, um, yeah. So then I just learned. And then sometimes I just look on YouTube and teach myself some dances at home when I'm feeling like I need to learn a new dance, but I much prefer to go in person where you can like join in on line dances with a bunch of people and, put on some boots. So yeah, there are places you can go.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I feel like I've only ever seen that, <laughs> that kind of stuff like in the movies. I just imagine like walking into a like empty, like huge room or something <laughs> and like seeing that in movies and stuff. But yeah, that's yeah. interesting.
1: <laughs> it does exist. It's actually crazy. When I first started going in Eugene, um, it's like a whole community of people that are so like, They've been doing it for a while, and it's amazing. Like, uh, like, after the hour-long lesson, they would play music for several hours, and, it, like, a lot of these people know, like, a dance to just every single song, and it's so impressive. I'm like, wow, that is a lot of choreography, but it's it's very impressive. So I think I may be up to, like, eight or nine dances, but I have I have a lot to learn still. <laughs>
0: That's all. That's, that's way more than me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to a few would-you-rathers here. Would you rather sneeze every time you say hi or have the urge to pee every time you ask a question?
1: Oh, man. Uh, I would definitely go sneeze every time I say hi.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I would do that one as well. I think the, the questions is tough because having a conversation is going to be, like, 100% harder.
1: It's gonna be so hard. I also feel like if you have that urge, I feel like you wouldn't be as fo Like I feel like I'd ask a question and then not be able to listen to the answer if I'm like trying to, like, not pee my pants. So yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Would you rather live in a treehouse or a boat house for the rest of your life?
1: Oh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna go treehouse. I think.
0: Yeah. I think both would be interesting. I think they'd both get kind of tough. I feel like eventually for like a week, it'd be really cool. And then like, it'd get like really boring (laughs) over time and be like, all right, I'm sick of this. Where's my regular house?
1: Yeah. I feel like when you first asked that question, I like had that same initial response. I was like, both of them would be cool and really different experiences, but I feel like both of them would get really old. And I feel Mm -hmm. like particularly like, living in a boathouse on the water. Like, I feel like I would want to be on land. So I think that's why I'd go treehouse.
0: <laughs> yeah. But that's all I've got. I really appreciate you joining me.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great.
0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of Running in Circles. If you enjoyed it, please leave a five star review wherever you're listening and share it with a friend or two because it really helps the podcast grow. I'm your host, Zach Hamilton, and I'll see you next time on Running in Circles.